a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds. With the right plan and mindset, anything is possible. I'm Jennifer John, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast. Today with me today is Mr. Jeffrey Shaw. Welcome, Jeffrey, to the show. Hey, Jennifer. Glad to be here with you. Thank you. Yes. Jeffrey is often described as an authority and advocate for self-employed business owners, and we certainly need that. (laughs) We certainly need that. He's the author of Lingo and the Self-Employed Life. He's the host of the Self-Employed Life podcast and also the founder of the Self-Employed Business Institute. So for all of you guys who are self-employed, this is the guy, okay? We've got him here today on the show. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, I would just love to hear a little bit about your story because I read about you selling eggs door to door at 14 <laughs> yeah. years old and how that kind of started your entrepreneurial journey. So I would just love to hear in your own words. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. And in fact, I did. I started selling eggs door to door when I was 14 years old. Um, I grew up in a town about an hour and a half north of New York City. But back in the day, that was that was like upstate, right? It was pretty remote. And it was actually the headquarters or the founding of what would become the largest computer production plant in the world. It was where IBM was launching, which is why my family was brought there. So it was kind of this weird dynamic because you know, there was conversation about the latest in technology, but it was all farmland. And there were plenty of chickens around, not so much on our property, but there were farms around chickens. And I had the entrepreneurial idea that everybody needs eggs on a Sunday morning. So on Saturdays, I went door to door and I sold eggs. And it was the beginning of my entrepreneurial experience and taught me a lot. I mean, I have to say, I can look back now, a lot of my core branding ideas and even pricing ideas kind of came from that very initial experience. And as I often like to describe it, it was was such a stretch out of my comfort zone for me, which we as business owners do all the time, because I was really a very shy kid. But at some point in our businesses and our careers, we decide that the rewards, whatever that may be, and I think often, I think the rewards are personal growth even more than money. We like money, but I think often it's the, the big personal rewards are growth. Those rewards are greater than the fears. And I had plenty of fears, but what I was learning about myself and what I was learning about business and what got me so excited about entrepreneurship outweighed the fears. Yeah. So that was uh, my early teens. And then by the age of 20, I went off to photography school and started a portrait photography business for very affluent families, uh, or that's the market I ended up serving anyway. And that's what I now refer to my, as my original career. Takes me all the way to today. We're about 16 years ago or so. I started coaching other business owners and writing books and launched the Self-Employed Business Institute uh, to help the independent business owners. And here we are. 
Nice. So amazing. And so with the, the photography, the portrait studio, that's such an interesting transition. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to hear more about like what you learned in that business and how now you've carried that forward into coaching business owners today. Yeah. It's crazy, right? I mean, you've, you know, uh, you've done a lot of, you've accomplished a lot in your life as well. And, and in hindsight, you can look back and the dots make sense, right? Yeah. The way the dots connect. But in the, at the moment, it, even if it doesn't make sense for me as a, I had, you know, 25 at that point, about 25 very successful years as a photographer. And I loved building my business, but I also, I found that I really loved building other people's businesses just as much as my own, if not even more in a way, it was just really exciting to see other people excel and, and watching other people build the lives of their dreams and leveraging their business to do so. So that's when I started coaching. I was 25 years in, had a very successful photography business, one that, you know, from a productivity standpoint, ran incredibly productively such that I just needed to show up and I did the photography and I did the sales. I didn't do anything else. I had a team do everything else. It required very little marketing because my business was 70% repeat clientele, low volume, high ticket. So it required very little marketing. So I was at a point in my life that, you know, I could, I could venture into other areas. And that's when I started really focusing on how can I help other business owners? And I think one of the things that stood out to me from my photography history is ultimately I realized I was selling something nobody needed to the hardest market in the world to break into the affluent clientele. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, oh, I must know something about marketing. I must know something about because, you know, I had no formal education in business. I went right into self-employment when I was 20 years old. I've never held a traditional job. So sometimes we don't give ourselves credit of what we know or what we learned on the street and in the trenches. And that was my first awareness that I built an exceptionally successful business in the photography world, which was very rare, serving a very discerning clientele. And I decided I must know something. Let me unpack this and see how I can help other people. And and to me today, it has less to do with whether you know, what business that that you're in, I coach a very broad range of business owners, but everybody I work with has one thing in common. And this is both my one-to-one coaching clients, as well as our students in the Business Institute. Everybody we work with is really good at what they do, but they're likely to be in industries where nobody teaches them how to make money at what they do. And that that's actually why I launched the Business Institute in the first place, because I saw that as a major gap. Mm-hmm. PhDs, master degrees, they weren't really helping yeah. with the reality of when you're marketing yourself, you're marketing your skill set, you've left corporate, you know, you think you have it all together and you leave corporate, you go out into the real world of, of self-employment and you realize, okay, this is a lot harder yeah. than I thought. And there's no known curriculum yeah. for that. And that's, that's very much why I really kind of that's why I refer to myself as an advocate. Like I yeah. try to step up yeah. and really help in the trainings that we do. That's so awesome. And you're talking my lingo here because that's exactly <laughs> why about two years ago we started our marketing agency because, and it's not for the public. It is just to support our business clients because yeah. I see the same thing. And I think it's probably one of the biggest pain points that we address as well when people come in and, you know, they're great at what they do. They have a great idea. But getting clients, selling the product, it all comes back down to the marketing. And if you're not doing a good job at your marketing, you're not going to be generating revenues. It's going to be crooked chirping and you're going to be very, very frustrated in your business. And 
and it changes obviously at different levels of business, but I think it's like one of probably the biggest and maybe even one of the hardest challenges that I see business owners have to overcome. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well of really getting into their marketing because there's just so many pieces of it and they all needs to work together and getting all that coordinated. And even when you work with different marketing people, oh, this person specializes in this and this person, oh, I don't help with that. And it can often just feel like this giant puzzle that you're trying to put all these pieces together. And I would, is yeah. that what you guys see as well? So, gosh, you're bringing up two really important points, I think. One is actually what I I refer to as the rule of thirds, which actually, interestingly enough, is a photography term when it comes to composition, but I see it in business as well. Most businesses find themselves caught up in this rule of thirds. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we all go into business because we have a skill set, we have a talent, we have a passion, we have a dream, we're really good at something. The problem is you end up in this rule of thirds trap. And what that means is you, you end up spending a third of your time running your business, mm-hmm. about a third of your time marketing to get the business. And in the end, you only end up spending about a third of your time actually doing what you make money. Mm. And this is when people get frustrated. So what we strive to do in, in uh, the Self-Employed Business Institute is to shift that. Because here's the answer to so many businesses, and it's, it's what you're referring to the, as the marketing solution as well. You want to get to the point where you can spend most of your time doing what you're great at. You know, we all have heard the very wise, common business advice to work on your business more than in it. Mm -hmm. That's good to a point. But the fact of the matter is people that go into business that are good at something, they want to actually spend more time doing what they're great at than working on their business. Yeah. Because that's that's your zone of genius. And what happens is it, it, it accelerates. This is where your exponential growth is, because if you spend more time doing what you're great at, A, you have a whole lot more satisfaction and joy. That's important. And I know it's very important to you in your work. If you spend more time doing what you're great at, you are making the people you're working with that much happier, which means it's far more likely they're going to come back to you, which makes it far more likely they're going to refer people. The way to get to doing more of what you're great at I see it as a twofold strategy. One is marketing, right? The way to get spend more time doing what you're great at is getting the work, client acquisition. The second, again, also your wheelhouse, systems and productivity, because you want to spend the least amount of time possible. And I think marketing can be systematized. What we teach in the Business Institute is a, a marketing system we refer to as hog marketing. Mm. It's a system. It's a repeatable, consistent system. And if when things become repeatable and consistent and productive, you can spend less time doing the things and more time doing what you're great at. And that's when your business takes off. Yeah. I love the name hug marketing. I'm sure maybe it stands for something, but like I, so many people are like, I hate marketing. I hate marketing. I'm like, well, you that's better. Why, that's why it's called hug marketing. Right? I, I wanted to shift the energy of marketing because- yeah. Uh, yeah, hey, you know, like I said, I'm a realist. I always say my teachings come from in the trenches. You know, yeah. like I said earlier, I, I'm so I've never had a traditional job. Self-employment is all I know. So this anything I teach, coach on, like it is coming from the trenches. And I like most people that are, you know, purpose-driven, impact-driven, heart-centered, 
were kind of creeped out and have been for a long time about typical marketing. And yeah. honestly, and my first book is called Lingo, and it's all about the energy of words. And marketing is full of bad energy, energy words. We target people, right? It's <laughs> We send them down marketing funnels and trip wires. Like it's all bad energy words. And right. here's why that's really important. It's not just a woo-woo thought. Why, the reason that's important today is that consumers are so much smarter, yeah. you know, and they pick up. And I just think we've evolved as humans, honestly. Yeah. We make decisions based on how we feel about people, the energy we get from people. Yeah. So if you're thinking about your audience as a target, I don't care if you're not saying it to them, they will feel targeted. Yes. And if they feel targeted, they will back up. So in order to, to be aligned with today's effective marketing, I wanted to come up with a terminology and a system that really turned that around. And that's why I came up with the term hug marketing, because our goal is a hug. What if, what if in our marketing, our goal is to get a hug? Our goal is to, in particularly in today's world of online marketing, imagine your intentions and your actions being such that when you met someone that you have, you know, you've become a client, they become a client of yours, when you actually met them in person, it would be natural to give one another a hug mm -hmm. with permission, yeah. right? That's a very different goal yeah. than the goal of sending people down a funnel or over tripwires or targeting people. It's a very different goal. And the energy of that goal completely shifts the integrity by which you market. And that is what your customers feel. They feel your authenticity. They feel your integrity they're going to respond better to it. Yeah, oh, I absolutely love this so much. And part of why we started our agency was just because of the, there's just so many agencies out there and marketing people out there that it is so inauthentic. It's a numbers mm -hmm. game. They charge ridiculous amounts of money. They don't deliver. They they don't show up. They really don't even give a crap is, is what my experience was with so many yeah. different agencies. And it just got so frustrating because that's not how we treat our clients. And the way that you phrase this up is like, let's build a relationship where if we saw each other, we would want to give each other a hug. Like that's the kind of marketing I can get on board with. And I, I just, I love that. It's, it's, it's just so like catchy and, and it's a beautiful thing. And now your marketing feels like, yeah, like I would love to do that kind of marketing with our prospects and with our people. And that's something you can really get on board with and helping to kind of get, get past all that bad energy around it. I love yeah. that. Just brilliant. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there's a, in today's world, we, we talk, there's a lot of talk about diversity, right? There's, <laughs> what strikes me is how often mark, typical marketers, many of the agencies you're speaking to, A, they think it's a silver bullet. There's no silver bullet. And it's not one size fits all. And the mm -hmm. moment you start thinking one size fits all, to me, you're not living in respect of the diverse world of which we live in, yeah. right? Diverse in personality, diversity in business, diversity in all its aspects. If you have, again, if it goes back to the energy you're holding in your mind, if you, th if you think in terms of one size fits all, then you're disrespecting the diversity of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think so many marketers approach their their work and their clients as if they have a silver bullet a magic formula and one size fits all in marketing and it doesn't mm -mm. right it's we're each different we each have different audience you know, every audience there there are there are similarities but subtle nuances 
that that's why my first book lingo like that's kind of the the key and the strategy is to discover what i refer to as people's secret language like what's the secret language to kind of turn the the clock back here a bit talking about my photography business again i ended up being you know a photographer the go-to photographer for very affluent families i didn't grow up with any money i grew up middle class lower middle class at best and here i ended up being the photographer for some of the most affluent people in our country and it was because I, I did the work. I did the inside work to really understand their lingo, their secret language. What made them tick? What did they value? I studied consumer behavior in, in other high-end brands. I didn't really care about the high-end brand so much, mm-hmm. but I, I went to these high-end stores in New York City, and I went to really expensive restaurants. Any money I made was reinvested into an experience that was similar to an experience the people I was serving would have. Mm-hmm. And I studied the triggers. If I were them, why is that compelling to me? If I were them, why am I drawn to that? And that's how I then took that that, that formula, if you will, and I, I changed it into really understanding the lingo of the people I wanted to serve. That's what created the deepest and most profound connection to the point where I don't know that my clients knew or cared whether I came from money. Didn't It didn't matter because the relationship was so significant. Yeah. And that's really the key, the relationship. It is. Oh, so fabulous. And so what would you say to, let's see, a business owner who is just starting out and they're really, really struggling with their marketing? Like what advice would you have for them to kind of get, get past this hurdle in their business? Yeah. The biggest stumbling block for most people, and it, it does take time, but it also takes a nudging. <laughs> the reason why you hire coaches, the reason why you hire uh, a professional marketer like yourself in your agency is for the nudging, right? Yeah. Because you can't do it. My favorite, my favorite phrase in so much of business, particularly in marketing, is that you can't read the label from inside the jar. Yeah. Right. And when you, and this is so key for self-employed business owners because you're so in the far in the jar. Like when it's your business, and you know your name might even be on it, but certainly your heart is all in it. You're so in the jar. You can't possibly see things as objectively as an outside source can. And that's really why you need to engage with with experts. Because to me, the biggest turning point, and again, it does take iterations, but it's getting clear on what your core message is, like what you're really trying to say to the world and what you're really trying to change in the world and what's really coming from inside you. Getting clear on that and then translating that into a marketable, viable brand message. Mm -hmm. People get caught somewhere in between. They may not have done the work that's necessary to really understand who they're meant to serve, the problem they solve, why it's important to them. All right, they may not have done that work, but or if they did that work, and when they're asked, what do you do for a living? They could go on for 30, 40 minutes it's because they then haven't done the work to translate that into a viable, marketable brand message, which you need to be able to say instantly. So there's, you know, it's a process to it, but there's also iterations. No one goes into business and immediately has that nailed down or that I've ever met. That's why actually in our, our business institute, we intentionally seek out and, and let business owners know about what we can offer to them for businesses that are the real sweet spot is two to five years, mm-hmm. right? And the reason we focus on that, because I know the first one or two years, they're going to be out there pumped out on adrenaline <laughs> and not prepared yet because they haven't hit enough 
stumbling blocks right. to be fully prepared to figure out that core brand message. Yeah. Somewhere between the third to fifth year, even second to fifth year, they have enough information that we can help them get to that level of clarity. And I also think it's important, it's almost an intervention during that period, because if people continually fight hard for what they want to create and they don't get the results, they're going to run out of steam by the fifth year. Yeah. We're humans yeah. and people can only, they run out of financial resource, they run out of energy, they run out of support of their loved ones, mm-hmm. right? Somewhere around the fifth year is, I mean, you really, I really, it's, I said, I almost look as an intervention. It's really important to me to make sure we can get to people before that fifth year of business and give them the support, the education, the strategies they need to turn it around. Yeah. You said something really key there about engaging with an expert and I'd love you to speak to that a little bit because I know that when I had my very, very first company when I was 23, a long time ago, um, <laughs> I remember that I had hired a coach. And in our industry at the time, I was a software provider. And in our industry, it was such an unheard of thing. Like nobody had heard of this, that one of our trade publications actually did a big feature spread on the whole concept of hiring a business coach because it was just so like out of left field. Now today there are coaches everywhere. You can Google and just find them, you know, everywhere. And I think sometimes that can be an intimidating when there's so many choices versus, you know, 25 years ago, there really weren't that many choices, but like, what would you say to a business owner who right now, like is not engaged with an expert or not working with somebody who has been there and done that? What would you say to them? Um, find your way. Like, I mean, my, you know, my real answer is, again, I'm, I'm, I draw a harder line than I used to because I used to be so hesitant to say, you need to hire a coach because it sounded real salesy. Yeah. But again, back to the energy of words, I think, you know, it's when you're very, when your energy is clean and your intentions are clean, you can actually be, be a little more forward with your opinion and people respond to it more positively. I don't say this because I think everybody should run out and get a coach. I just here here I think is part of the difference. As a matter of time, I find my my ideal clientele, this is true of my one-to-one coaching clients as well as our students, they're somewhere between 35 and 65, or mm-hmm. obviously 55, right? I like to say people of a certain age. I'm not, we're not marketing to 20-year-olds, but this is also the trend of who's going into business. Yeah. Right. We're seeing 55, 60-year-olds leave their corporate job and finally build this dream business they've had for a long time. So because of that, you've got people of a certain age who are wise enough to realize they don't want to spend forever to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And so I think part of it has to do with the time. When you're in your 20s, you don't mind going through all the iterations. But when you're 55 years old, not that you see yourself passing anytime soon, you're just at a wiser point in life. And you're saying, you know what, I just don't want to take forever to figure this out when I can likely hire an expert who's already figured much of this out. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand by collapsing time because I really think it's important in order for anybody that's passionate and, and purpose-driven, collapse time to get to what is meaningful to you as quickly as possible, to get to building the life that you dream of as quickly as possible, to change the world as quickly as possible because the Lord knows we need it, mm-hmm. right? So collapse time. If you truly can't, then I would stress the importance of asking yourself the big questions. Like, why is it important to you that you do the work that you do? Like, really, why is it important? And look for a story that validates that. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I love watching my clients go through this process of, uh, I'll give you, I can use an example, one client who was really in a consultant to help people and a coach to help people reinvent their life. And I was looking, digging for a story to validate that that's true. I suspected she was spot on. It felt very genuine and authentic to who she was, but why? What's the story behind it? And it, we went all the way back to her just feel like she grew up in a house and with parents who nothing ever changed. The wallpaper in the kitchen never changed. Like her parents had the same routine. Her parents didn't stray out of the line. Well, you can imagine knowing that she's like, well, that's not what she wants for herself. And it's not what she wants for people that she serves. Okay? She didn't want to keep everybody tight in a line. She wants to help people reinvent themselves. So once you have a story to validate that, then how can you communicate that? in a way that's meaningful and different today. You can't just say I'm a reinvention coach because that may not be specific enough. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most common and yet challenging questions to really answer honestly is what is really the problem you solve? Mm-hmm. And I, I know that question gets thrown a lot in marketing circles. You have to know the problem you solve for those that you ser- that you serve. But I like to say, what's the underlying problem that you solve? Mm. It's not just the surface level problem, right? What's the underlying problem? And that takes work. But if you can't hire someone to reflect that information back to you, then that's what you're digging for. Yeah, but it just makes so much sense of what you said about being in the jar, right? Because you can know, hey, this is the question I need to answer. What's the problem I solve? But so often... When you're busy and you're in it and you're in the jar and try and not having somebody help you to kind of help you through that process and give you that outside perspective, I think it can be really difficult sometimes to do a really good job of that work on your own. Yeah, I've come to realize again, going all the way back to my photography days, and you never know which you know. I I kind of look back now and wonder which came first. It's literally it's like literally it's like the chicken or egg story. You know, I just know that my brain functions a certain way today. And it's, I have a photographer's brain and I probably always will. Now, again, I don't know if it's because I had that inclination, which is why I became a photographer. I think it's a little bit of that, of that, but there's also 40 years of being a photographer has trained my brain in a certain way. And it helps me as a coach. Cause I say, I, I see what other people don't see, yeah. which I don't think there's a more pure definition of being a photographer than that. Yeah. But this is exactly how I serve as a coach. Like I can see in you what you can't see in yourself. I can see your, I can see probably more potential in you than you can see in yourself. I can see a core brand message in you that you can't see in yourself. So again, I just, I think it's incredibly, I do respect that not everybody can uh, hire a coach. Maybe they, they want to figure out on their own, but I think there's a direct correlation between how quickly you want to get to where you want to go and how willing you are to actually investing in getting there. I did a podcast on my own show a while back and what I refer to after decades of observation, uh, particularly in certain industries. But when I, I looked at the difference between why do some folks really step forward and why do, even in some industries, and I, I started referring to it as being silo-minded. Mm. And what I mean by that is if, there's a real brain twist here <laughs> because if you're someone who thinks you can do everything yourself and you're yet, you're an expert who expects to get hired by other people, there's a conflict there. And there's a conflict that, that not only are you not reasoning again, from a, an energetic perspective, other people are going to get confused by. 
And when people that are silo-minded, those are the ones I see getting hung up the most because they will they'll learn about the latest strategies, then they'll try to do it themselves. They'll mm-hmm. know they need to improve their website and they'll try to do it themselves. Yeah. Right? That's what he made by silo-minded, meaning you're kind of building your business like silos side by side. Right. Okay. But what really gets me is I don't understand how you can be how you can expect to be hired as an expert in your field if you're not willing to hire experts in their field. Right. And I think there's a real, I mean, I think there's enough reason to go out on a limb, even financially, to hire experts for the pure karmic benefit (laughs) of, right, of making sure that you you respect being, you have to respect hiring experts in order to right. expect to be hired as an expert. Right. We see this so often with our clients that will come in and they're like, I want to start a coaching practice. I want to start a whatever practice. It's like, okay. But then they don't want to invest in themselves for their own coaching. Correct. It's like, how can you really expect somebody that will define somebody who's going to invest in your services if you're not willing to invest in? Yeah services to benefit you, right? It's just like, it's, it, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, as in the, my share, story I shared earlier, like in the beginning of my photography career, every dollar I made was reinvested into, I mean, whatever money I could put together, I was going to like the fanciest restaurant in New York City. Not a bad way to get an education, by the way. But I mean, I was very realistic. Like I, you can't, I was building a portrait photography business for affluent families. I can't get that. I can't grasp up that by going to the dollar store right. <laughs> and having that experience, right? There has to be a willingness to go out on a limb. And as I did, I, I would go and I would, I would scrape together whatever money I could to buy like a reasonably expensive item at a high-end store. The story I tell in my book, uh, Lingo, is I bought a $20 votive candle from Bergdorf Goodman, mm-hmm. one of the if anybody's not familiar with Bergdorf Goodman, it's a one-of-a-kind store on Fifth Avenue, one of the you know highest-end stores that you can shop in. Very elegant experience. And I, the, I had 20 bucks because I was a poor 20-something-year-old, and I bought a votive candle, but my objective was clear. I wanted to see how they gift-wrapped it hmm. because I wanted to replicate elegant packaging in my own business. Hmm. So even though I only bought a $20 candle, I asked for it to be gift-wrapped so that I could really grasp the idea of presentation about because clearly presentation was a big part of conveying a high-end feeling. Yeah. Right? So you have to be re- willing to reinvest yeah. in that which you want to get in return. Yeah. I, I just, you can think you're kidding yourself, but you're not. No, you're, you're not. not. I think you're it really not. shifts the energy too that when you invest in a coach and that money is on the line, like, at least for me, when I've invested in my coaches, I'm like, look, my, I work hard for my money. And so I'm going to take this investment really seriously. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to hear what they have to say. And I'm going to do the work because I've been, I'm invested in this. And so when you've got that skin in the game, you know, spending that $20 in your twenties that you didn't have, you know, but being willing to spend it to get the information that you needed, I feel like that really just kind of shifts the energy and, in some ways, I think it also says to the universe, I'm serious about this. Like, I, yeah. I, I trust, I have faith in myself, I want to put energy into this forward momentum of it. And I, I do believe often that the universe will have your back 
if you take that step to invest in yourself, spend that $20 on a votive candle, <laughs> do yep. those things that you need to do. Which they, is just the wax, by the way. Like this didn't include a pretty vessel. It was just the, the it was just the <laughs> wax candle. But to your point, exactly. So it's such a long story and it's one I act out on stage. I mean, it's a really fun story, this whole candle story. But to your point, when I went to the gift wrap department, I said to the, the woman on the other side of the counter, and the counter is sort of like a cutout in the wall, right? So she's on the other side of the wall. And I, I explained to her what I was doing. I said, look, can you gift wrap this for me? I said, I'm trying to learn what rich people like when it comes to their packaging. She invited me into the back room. She says, come, she says sweetie, come here, come with me. So she took me in the back of the room. She taught me exactly, and, and the, the key is, and that's why it's, I don't want to give the climatic end to it, but I kind of have to. The whole thing came down to what I refer to as no tape. Mm. So she showed me, she, goes, oh, no, she showed me how to wrap this votive candle with a lot of tissue paper and then put it in the box and tie the box with a ribbon. Nowhere to use tape in high-end packaging because there's a correlation between people who are buying high-end products and the fact that they tend to be very particular. So before they give this as a gift, they're going to want to untie the ribbon, take off the box top, fold back the tissue, make sure what they're giving is in perfect shape, refold the tissue and retie the ribbon on the box. You can't do that if there's tape. Mm -hmm. So it was this, talk about a secret language, right? This high-end brand understood. So I, for the my entire career, I replicated that in the way that we packaged our portraits to give to our clients. It was, an, it was a subtle indicator to them that I knew them. Yeah. I knew what they experienced in other high-end brands because I did it the same way. But when that woman invited me to the back room, again, I didn't realize this probably until decades later, she saw something in me. Mm -hmm. She saw something in my sincerity of why I was buying this candle and asking for it to be wrapped. And that's the energy shift that you're referring to. That if you're willing to put yourself on the limb, the, the universe is listening. Other people are listening. And I, I have to believe that woman saw something in this 23-year-old at the time that she was willing to go out on a limb and bring me into the, the back room, which I'm sure she would, normally would not have been allowed to do. Yeah. So it, it, a, a lot of incredible gifts come along when you're authentic and you're, you're doing things for the right reason. It's true. Like the doors will open just by mm -hmm. being authentic and asking and being sincere. Like, I feel like you can open so many more doors than like, you didn't go there. Like I got to get into the back room. It probably wasn't even on your radar. And, but yet you were Never sincere and authentic right. and it opened an amazing door. Yeah, I love exactly. it. I love it. Yep. Such good stuff, Jeffrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with me today. I know there are people right now who are listening who want to know more about you and where they can find out more about your offerings. So where can everybody find you? Well, hey, what I would suggest since we spoke a great deal about you know self-employment, I think this is a really wonderful tool for them. Uh, they can go to selfemployedassessment.com. It is a six question custom algorithm that I had programmed, I hired somebody to do. So in these six questions, we can give you a really thorough report back on what your strengths and weaknesses are and what we refer to as the self-employed ecosystem, which are three big components of your business, personal development, business strategies, and daily habits, all of which are important in the work that you do as well. Um, so we can give you a very thorough report to let you know which of those three components that, that you might want to put some attention on. So again, it's selfemployedassessment.com. Grab that. I always prefer to give something rather than just send people to my website because then you have to do the work 
right? Take advantage of this wonderful tool. You'll get to understand what makes me tick. And if you feel aligned, a relationship will begin. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff, for being here with me today. Thank you, Jennifer. All right. You're welcome. And you guys, you heard it. Go go check it out. I love it. I'm like, hey, I might have to go take that assessment myself. <laughs> so <laughs> fabulous. All right, you guys, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate you spending it with us. Now get out there and have a happy, productive day. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.